Let us pray. Oh God, whatever it is from which we need to arise, help us to arise this Easter morning. Silence in us any voice but your own. That the resurrection narrative might claim us once again. For we pray in the name of the risen Christ. Amen. Friends, our gospel lesson this morning comes from the gospel according to Matthew, beginning at the first verse of the 28th chapter. Let us hear God's word. After the Sabbath, as the first day of the week was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descending from heaven came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothing white as snow. For fear of him, the guards shook and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, do not be afraid. I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has been raised as he said. Come see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples he has been raised from the dead and indeed he is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him. This is my message for you. So they left the tomb quickly with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them and said, Greetings. And they said to him, and they came to him, took hold of his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, one definition of reconciliation has to do with accounting. It is good for our family that I am not responsible for reconciling anything financial. Nonetheless, allow me to present a simple equation for today. A plus B plus C equals something extraordinary. Now, another way to say it is that resurrection plus proclamation plus demonstration equals reconciliation. But before all of that, allow me to share the ancient words, Christ is risen with all of us, and to welcome you to Third Church on this most extraordinary of days. Welcome all of you from every worldly condition and every faith experience or no faith experience. Welcome especially, as you have already heard, visitors and guests. We have not overbooked this morning, so please be assured 
that you will not be forcibly removed from your pews. And please do visit us again to explore faith, to share your time in service, to connect in community. Our tagline is Seeking the Light, and that is exactly what we aspire to do, and we'd love to welcome you to our community of seekers, so welcome. Welcome all of you, and may the blessings of this day be yours and may our broken and fearful world experience something of the Easter hope that we will experience here this morning. Resurrection plus proclamation plus demonstration equals reconciliation. We're here because of resurrection the pivotal moment in history. This morning we encounter Matthew's version of the Easter story. It is on one level so very dramatic, earthquake, angel, so much fear. On another level it is so very human, the guards, Mary and Mary, their fear and then their great joy. Barbara Brown Taylor writes, what happened in the tomb was entirely between Jesus and God. For the rest of us, she writes, Easter began the moment the angel greets the women and Jesus greets the disciples. That's where the miracle happened and goes on happening, not in the tomb, but in the encounter with the living Lord. This has epic implications, but it also has intimate ones. Faith is never only and just about a personal encounter with the risen Jesus, but the risen Jesus comes to individuals, to Mary and Mary, and to this often bumbling band of followers. And if he comes to them, that means he comes to us, to you, and to me. That means the empty tomb is on the grandest of stages. And the empty tomb is in each of our hearts and our spirits, each of us and all of us. So resurrection, an encounter with the living Jesus. And proclamation. What's the message? Jesus tells us to go and tell. And so this morning we'll turn to the book of Acts the story of the early church from which Mary read just a moment ago to see what that looks like. Peter, who had been at the tomb, now is leading the church. He encounters Cornelius, a soldier, a Gentile. And in a dream, Peter comes to understand that he's had it all wrong. That the point of this faith is not narrowness, but expansiveness. Not exclusion, but embrace. So having this conversion, he preaches a powerful sermon. I truly understand, he says, that God shows no partiality. No partiality. But in every nation, anyone who fears God and does what is right is acceptable to God. No partiality, no favorites. Peter has misunderstood this all along. This has 
not been about maintaining tight control over a small, like-minded band of believers. This is about an ever-widening, ever-broadening circle with no credential needed, no artificial qualification, no pre-existing condition, no litmus test, an ever-expanding table with a place for all until all are welcome. And this is not in spite of resurrection. This is because of resurrection. The message of resurrection lies in the healing of deep divisions between people and in groups. The empty tomb transcends stereotypes and labels. It can heal deep wounds and divisions. If a Jewish believer and a Gentile seeker can find common ground at the empty tomb, then why can't all of us? Eric Barreto writes that no matter our place of origin, the same God reaches out to us. The same gospel calls us home. Social boundaries and ethnic differences are no obstacle to the gospel. Such differences are not an irritant in need of remediation or a problem for God's church. And Jamie McCallum writes that we should not be surprised to hear that God accepts Syrians, North Koreans, and Mexicans just as passionately as God accepts Americans, Russians, and Japanese. But she says that impartiality extends beyond nationalities to political affiliations, denominational preferences, social and economic standings. Because God is a God of impartiality, McCallum writes, so we must be a people of impartiality. Because God makes peace with all, we too must make peace with others. The church has the calling and potential to be a community of peacemaking and radical reconciliation on this earth. A community of peacemaking and radical reconciliation on this earth. So that's resurrection and proclamation, empty tomb and impartiality. Now what? How will this make a difference? Demonstration. Peter uses the word witness several times in his sermon. We think of witness as a legal term, like a witness at a trial. Or sometimes a witness is a kind of in-your-face religious zealot. The Greek word is martyr. Not in this case someone who dies for the faith, though that can be the case. But one who bears witness, who testifies, who who shares the story, who embodies in word, yes, and at a deeper level in actions and relationships and commitments. To be a messenger, that's what a witness is, whose job is not so much to make people believe, but to reveal the character of God. Resurrection, proclamation, demonstration, Empty tomb, no partiality, a, a church practicing radical welcome. 
Those are the ingredients for reconciliation. Now many of you know we're observing a year of reconciliation at Third Church. And in a way every moment leads to this one and every moment flows from this one as well. Resurrection is the epicenter of reconciliation, its pivot point. Every other kind of reconciliation in our souls, in our relationships, in the church, in the world, happens because the stone has been rolled away and the risen Christ comes to us. And so we need all of these elements, inward and outward, global and local, to practice reconciliation, to be the reconciling community Jesus calls us to be. Now, we don't always get it right. In this morning's Times, Nicholas Kristof asks Jimmy Carter, how can I reconcile my admiration for the message of Jesus, all about inclusion, with a church history that is often about exclusion? President Carter responds, in his day, Jesus broke down walls of separation and superiority among people. Those mostly men who practice superiority and exclusion today contradict my interpretations of the life and teachings of Jesus, Carter says, which exemplified peace, love, compassion, humility, forgiveness, and sacrificial love. We don't always get it right. Rowan Williams, the former Archbishop of Canterbury, asserts that if Christ is risen and the church is universal, then there can be no sides. The church simply is humanity made new, a new world in which the age-old divisions and boundaries and bigotries constitutive of human society have been transcended and rendered utterly obsolete. The resurrection, Williams says, is God's unequivocal yes to all the diverse bits of humanity. It is God's commitment to a reconciled world. We don't always get it right. In a week of missiles and bombs, of mall shootings, of Virginia Tech anniversary of remembering Jackie Robinson. We know we don't always get it right. No human can, no human institution can. But the formula of empty tomb and no partiality and a church of radical witness equaling reconciliation means that we have a roadmap for our journey, our always imperfect always incomplete journey. Not always getting it right doesn't mean we always get it wrong and it doesn't mean that the risen Christ is not always working through us. The Presbyterian Confession of 1967, which we have been exploring this year in a fairly obsessive way, gives us some hints to look at. Race gender and sexuality, poverty, warfare and violence. Those are implications of resurrection and not 
simply trendy social issues, and they are tall orders. But the good news is that our efforts are fueled by the empty tomb and the risen Christ, and they are mingled with the efforts of so many, past and present and future. And get this, I love this. The Confession of 1967 affirms, with an urgency born of the hope of resurrection, the church applies itself to present tasks and strives for a better world. It does not identify limited progress with the kingdom of God on earth, nor does it despair in the face of disappointment and defeat. In steadfast hope, the church looks beyond all partial achievement to the final triumph of God. Dear friends, we are witnesses to resurrection, messengers of the vision of the empty tomb whose promise of impartiality and radical inclusion shows us what reconciliation looks like. That's a lot, but it's what is needed right now, and we know that. And we have the capacity to share this vision, not because of who we are, but because the risen Jesus came to his friends and comes to his friends now. Author Marilyn Robinson writes, I have a theory that the churches fill on Christmas and Easter because it's on these days that the two most startling moments in the Christian narrative can be heard again. So, do not be afraid. Be startled. Do not be discouraged. Be hopeful. Do not be partial. Be impartial. Do not be broken. Be reconciled. Be a startled, hopeful, impartial, reconciled, and reconciling witness. Christ is risen. Hallelujah. Now let's go and tell. Amen. <laughs>